amen and amen. All right, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. In case you're wondering, I don't really use this because I have all the scriptures in here, but I have this in case I have another scripture I want to go looking for, okay? James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. <laughs> I got news for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, and you thought I was rough. You want to be shown, you shown your foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, we don't live in the 1500s anymore. But Martin Luther, when he posted his 95 thesis on the wall, um, the, um, the, the note that rang out is sola scriptura and then uh, by grace through faith, right? Without works, by grace through faith. So people, Martin Luther actually had a hard time with the book of James. He wanted to remove the book of James from the Bible because he thought it conflicted with what God showed him out of Revelations. But it was just a confusion of how they mesh together. You see, back then, uh, it was works that was necessary in order to get saved, to, to find salvation. In fact, they were doing things, if you, if, you, if you do this or you do this act or whatever, then you'll be saved. And Martin Luther says, no, you're saved by grace through faith, right? But where this matches up is I have faith in what God says, but simply saying I have faith and then no evidence of that faith uh, is really, th th that's not, uh, uh, th there's no faith without some evidence to match what you say you have. In other words, if you have a lemon tree, there's going to be fruit somewhere down the road that that's a lemon tree. If you say that's a lemon tree and it produces nuts, I'd say you're nuts. Right? you got to have fruit that matches what you said. And so that's where James, so, so, so Martin Luther was, yes, you get saved not by works, but by grace through faith. But the evidence that you got saved is it will show itself by what you do. 
So they work together. It's just you have one and then you have the other. So James is not in any way uh, betraying what Romans is saying through Paul. So I want to get that clear before we go any farther. I was reading a book by Kenneth Hagin, and he says this. If you want to help somebody get healed, if you want to help somebody receive from the Holy Ghost, or if you want to help someone get an answer to prayer, let me tell you what to do. There are two things that you have to work on, the believing part and the action part. If you act without faith, nothing will happen. It won't work. And if you believe without action, nothing will happen. It won't work. However, when faith and action are combined, then the word works. Now, how many of you know that's, that's so simple? It's easy, right? Okay, let's go home. We'll just come back tonight. Some of y'all aren't convinced. I can see. You're just not convinced. Some of y'all are saying, that's not what we pay you for. We pay you for 45 minutes. Okay, first, <laughs> first point. What faith is? Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Moffat's translation reads, faith means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. Another modern translation reads, faith is giving substance to things hoped for. What God is simply telling us is that faith is laying hold of the unseen realm of hope and bringing it into the realm of reality. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. We talked to you about what the currency of the world is. Now we're going to talk about what the currency of the kingdom is. It's faith. Faith is what opens the door for the power of the Word of God to be released into this natural realm to be released into our lives, into the world we live in, and into our very beings. Hebrews 11 and 6, the Young's, living trans, uh, the Young's translation says, And apart from faith, it is impossible to please well, for it behooveth him who is coming to God to believe that he is, and to those seeking him he becometh a rewarder. So, first of all, faith is believing that God is. If you don't believe God is, you're already lacking in faith, right? You believe God is, and then you also believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek after him. The promises of God are true, right? The promises of God are real. Let God be true, and every man a liar is what the Bible says. What God says is true. What God says is real. I believe it. And because I believe it, by faith, I'm going to pursue the manifestation of what he said. If I don't believe in God, or I don't believe in his promises, then I won't pursue it. Correct? Faith brings the promises of God's word into manifestation in our life. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which it is sent. The word of God is powerful. In Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is living and powerful, right? Luke 1.37, one of my favorite scriptures but not in the way it's translated. 
It's translated this way. It's translated nothing is impossible with God. But if you knew Greek, I know a little Greek. He used to live in my neighborhood back where I... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know a little Greek enough to know that this scripture translated, actually transliterated, uh, 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 the, the way it was written in Greek is this. For not without power from God... Every rhema, and the word rhema is, is one of the words for the word of God, okay? So not without power from God, every word. Well, what does that mean? That means every word of God contains the power to manifest itself or to bring itself to pass. It's like a stick of dynamite. It has power in it, Right? Second Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says this, For as many as are the promises of God, what are the promises of God? It's the Word of God. They all find their yes or their answer in Him, Christ. Who is Christ? He's the Word made flesh, right? For this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it, to God through Him in His person and by His agency to the glory of God. Don't let this confuse you. When we say amen, oftentimes today, we see amen as a ritual response, kind of like, I don't really like you, but I've been, I was born in the South, and so I got to say, how you doing? Right? But that's not really what amen means. Amen is actually supposed to be a response from God's people as saying, God, what you said to be true, I come into agreement with. So you say this is true, and I say, amen, so be it. I agree with that. I profess and I say the same thing. Did you know that's what the word confess and profess means? It means to say the same thing. God says this, and the enemy says this, and we don't agree with God because most of the time we're talking about not what God says, but what the enemy says. I don't like to talk about uh, what the enemy tells me because I don't want to give voice to the enemy. And you say, well, why is the enemy talking to you? The same reason he talks to you. You just don't want to acknowledge it. But I acknowledge it. I know when something's not from God. I know. And you know what? The reality is the devil, I don't know how he does it. I don't know why he does it. I don't know how to stop it. All I know is that anytime I hear a promise from God, I hear a, a deception from the enemy. And I have to learn how to say, I have to learn how to vocalize my agreement with God and how to not vocalize my agreement with the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I think if we were honest, we would all be able to say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Now, we're all, we all have our own struggles. We all have our own things, you know, whatever we go through. And the enemy knows what they are, and he comes and he, and he harasses you, and he talks to you, and, 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 and he feeds these things in your life. But we got to learn how to say no to that and stop confessing what the enemy is saying because that's what we begin to do when he, whatever he speaks to us, we start saying what are we hearing because we think everything we hear is God. But if it's not in agreement with the Word of God, it ain't God. He said, well, how do you know if it's in agreement with the Word of God or not? Because start confessing the promises and what you might find that the promises are opposed to what you're, what you're hearing. 
So what we got to learn how to do is we got to learn how to speak and come into agreement with what God is saying. Why is all this the bad stuff happening in my life? And I'm not saying that bad stuff can't happen to you as a Christian because when you're firmly planted, when you take root somewhere, I read this, I liked it, when you take root somewhere, you can't move. And so you're going, to be, you're going to be at the mercy of whatever comes your way. If it's rain, if it's sun, if it's famine, if it's winds, you're going to be at the mercy. You're going to go through all of that. That's just life. Right? But sometimes bad things don't happen to us because of life. Sometimes things bad things happen to us because we invite it in by what we profess, what we confess, what we come into agreement with, what we vocalize. So I want to learn how to say amen by faith to what God says. Well, wait a minute. What God says ain't happening. So I'm not stupid. I'm not going to say something that's not happening. We're not asking you to be logical. What we're asking you to do is to be faith-filled. And you say, well, faith-filled seems to be foolishness. Well, the foolish things of God are greater than the wisdom of man. It's not foolishness, it's just you're learning a different way of functioning, and I'm going to say a higher way of functioning than what we've been taught. What we've been taught is if you can't see it, it ain't real. And yet we live all the time without seeing stuff. We know that if you get around radiation, it'll kill you. Any of y'all ever seen it? We know that if we get out in the sun, that some of us are going to turn darker and some of us are going to turn redder. You ever seen it? You ever seen the sun? Actually, how it comes? No, but you see the effects of it, right? You know UV. I went to the I went to the uh, um, optometrist. Is that what? They, yeah, optometrist the other day, and they said your vision's great. Whatever, change a little bit. See, we see little little hints of cataracts in your eyes, and I'm, the whole time she's saying that, I'm going, okay, okay, but inside I'm going, I don't receive that, I don't receive that, I don't receive that. But at the same time, where does this stuff come from? It comes from UV rays. So I went and bought some sunglasses, because I ain't stupid. Right? I believe in things that I can't see. There are things in the spiritual realm we can't see that God makes us privy to. So I want to live by what God says is real, even though I can't see it. I want to come into agreement with it by buying sunglasses, by putting on suntan lotion, stuff we do all the time, by doing stuff, even though I can't see it, I know it's real. And that's what faith does. Faith, even though I can't see it, I know it's real because God tells me it's real. So I want to begin to vocalize what God says and not what uh, necessarily what the enemy is telling me or what I'm seeing with my eyes. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the good news. We know it's the word of God because it is the power of God to the salvation. That word salvation means uh, spirit, soul, body, wholeness. To the wholeness of of everyone who hears, everyone who believes. Well, I believe. Well, we need to understand what belief is. Belief is not, I, I understand what you're saying. That's not faith. That's mental assent. That's, I understand what you're saying. 
I agree with the principle of what you're saying, but faith is not agreeing with what somebody is saying and checking off a list. Faith is actually beginning to live your life in agreement with what you're hearing. Am I making sense to you? Faith connects the, it's, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means everybody. Rich, poor, young, old, black, white, even Hispanics. <laughs> right? Everybody. Man, woman. Every. It crosses all lines. What is, how do you receive from God? Faith. You believe. Very simply. And sometimes kids can receive better than grown-ups because they haven't been all messed up with all, oh, you know, all the stuff that's going on. they got to go through 12 years of school to, to get there. I'm not against school. But oftentimes school is robbing you of what God wants you to have because they teach you the opposite oftentimes of what God's Word teaches you. Faith connects the unseen realm to the seen realm. Faith causes the unseen realm to manifest. It, that is, it causes the unseen realm to be made visible. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What kind of things are unseen? John 4.24, God is spirit. Has anybody ever seen God? No. The only time we've ever seen what God is like is when God manifested in the flesh in the form of Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, you look at God manifest in the flesh and you look at Jesus. But God, in His, in his uh, other, otherness, in His sovereignty, in his, uh, uh, in his being, is spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Pray then this way, our Father in heaven, in the spiritual realm, hallowed be thy name. Our prayer is this, that your kingdom, your principles, your word, your power, your presence would come and your will would be done. Where? On earth, in my life, in my body, in my finances, in my family, in my children. As it is in heaven. Obviously, when you pray, you're not just learning. Sometimes we do this, our Father in heaven. We used to pray over the food when my kids were little, and we say, and we taught them this word: uh, over the teeth, through the gum. No, we didn't teach them that. We taught them, um, God is great, God is good. Let Him thank Him for our food. Uh, by His hands we are fed. Thank you, God, for that. Now, when they're little, that's okay, you know. But when you're 22. There's no faith. You're just going through a ritual, right? Prayer, our Father in heaven, can be a ritual. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, the will be done on the earth. How many times are you going to say it in 10 seconds? Well, no. You got to pray with faith. Obviously, prayer is done, true biblical prayer is done in faith, right? So, to recap, faith is laying hold of the unseen realm and bringing it into the realm of reality. It is believing God, believing the promises of God, believing what God says, and then acting accordingly 
before we see the manifestation of what God says. And that brings us to our second point, our next observation, what faith looks like. You see, James goes on to say in verse 14 through 17, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The Bible teaches us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. In other words, in my simple way of understanding things, the Bible teaches that you can see faith when it is evident in the lives of people. I believe in God. Yeah, but you still drink, smoke, chew, date girls who do. I don't see any change in your life. I, I doubt whether you have faith or not. You go to church sometimes, right? No, I believe in God. I believe in the kingdom of God. And then we find all these different ways not to serve God. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? I don't have to give to be a Christian. I don't, have to, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. It's like, it's like well, I question whether or not you're really saved or not. Because when I got saved, they said, go to church. I said, yeah, be there. They said, give. Yeah, be there. Read your Bible. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, uh, you need to do it. Yeah, I'll do that. Because there's a change when you get saved. Right? But just to say, hey, man, I got saved. No, I'm not doing that. Not doing that. Not doing that. Not doing that. You see, faith will be evident. And it should be evident in your life when you have an experience with God. In other words, faith is discernible. Faith can be seen by what we say. Luke 6, 43-45. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Now Jesus is not offering this for debate. He's saying this is the way it is. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, what you really believe is going to become evident. And more often than not, when it becomes evident, is not when things are going good. When it becomes evident is when we're getting squeezed. How do you get, I like lemonade. And look, I'm not racist, but I'm going to be honest with you, Mexican lemonade is the best. <laughs> I love that stuff. It is so good, you know. But how do you get lemons out of, out of, out of uh, you might call them limes, but they really are lemons. They're Mexican lemons. How do you get lemons out? How do you get lemon juice out of that? You got to squeeze it. No squeezing, no juice, right? How do we know what's really inside of us? We got to get squeezed. When we get squeezed, we'll find out what's really inside of us. When things are going difficult, when things are going hard, what comes out of you? Are you still the nice, uh, gentle person, you know, that everybody knows, or all of a sudden, you know, so-and-so said this, and they looked at me this way, and all of a sudden, poof, what comes out of your mouth? Right? Let's look at the Old Testament to the Israelites at the Jordan River to see a picture of this. 
in Numbers 14, 2 through 4, the, 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 the congregation was supposed to go into the promised land. And uh, when they were supposed to go into the promised land, they sent out spies. And when they sent out spies, ten came back with a, a bad report and two came back with a good report, right? And the people heard what they were saying. And then in Numbers 14, 2 through 4, it says, The whole congregation said to them, uh, to the people that were the spies and to Moses and Aaron, uh, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. You see, they already believed the enemy's narrative. And what were they speaking? They were speaking the report of the enemy. They were speaking the report of the devil that was speaking into the, uh, into the ears of the spies and was now speaking to the people. And they were voicing not God's purposes, not God's report, but they were voicing the report of the enemy. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Who wants you to go back to Egypt? Does God want you to go back to Egypt? Who wants you to go back to Egypt? Who wants you to quit your marriage? Who wants you to quit Christianity? Who wants you to quit serving God? Who wants you to quit with? Is it God? That's exactly right. No, that's an enemy. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? No. But they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go to the clubs. Let's choose a leader and go do some drugs. No. Not what it says. It says, let's, uh, that, that's not what God is saying, but that's what they were saying. They were voicing the enemy. Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes the voice of the enemy can come through your best friend. can come through an acquaintance. You say, well, that ain't true. Well, yeah, Jesus just got through telling the disciples that after they realized he was the Christ, that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die on a cross. And Peter stands up and say, no way, that ain't happening. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. For you have not in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And who is the God of the world the way it presently stands is not God it's an enemy so basically get thee behind me Satan for you have in mind not the things of God but the things of Satan right that time when you're weakest somebody calls you up out of the blue you never heard from them in years and they'll call you up and say hey man I got free tickets to that or I got invited to this you want to go with me and you're like uh, you know they don't call you when you're strong and going to church and just got out so, no they call you when you're like at your lowest is God in that? Does God want you to go back to Egypt? Does God want you to go wallow in the mire again? Does God want you to go get caught up in the things of the world? No! Pretty simple to figure out Numbers 14, 11 through 12. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs, all the things that I've done among them. It's amazing whenever things are going bad, God hadn't done anything for you. When was the last time you did something for me? That's our attitude, right? 
And God said, now they do this today, but this is what he was saying to them. I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they, is what he said to Moses. But Moses was one of the good guys. And he said, God, don't do that. <laughs> Numbers 13, 30, and then verse 14 and 24, Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb was one of the two spies. Joshua was the other one. It doesn't talk about Joshua because Joshua was going to lead them into the promised land. But the Bible says Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy. He saw the same thing they saw. For we are well able to overcome them. And what did God say about him in, verse, in chapter 14? My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has fully followed me or followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. In other words, he's going to possess my promises. These other people that don't believe me, they're not going to possess my promises. But the people that do believe me, they are going to possess my promises, even if it's only one. The difference is, Caleb believes me. He sees the same thing. He sees the same giants. He sees the same land. He sees the same cities. But then he looks at me and he says, oh, God's been so good to me. God has led me out of Egypt. God has provided for us. God has, has defeated the enemies for us. God has promised that he's going to give this to us. If God be for us, who can stand against us? He reasons a little bit differently. Same problems, same things going on. But what does Caleb have that the other people didn't have? He had faith. I'm getting a little excited this morning. I need to, I need to wait till next year to get this excited. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In the New Testament, we find that faith is evidenced or seen by what we say. I wanted to show you in the Old Testament that they voiced unbelief or they voiced faith. In the New Testament, we find the same thing, Romans 10, 9 through 13. Because how do you get saved? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that's not just saying, Jesus is the Lord. No. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you believe in your heart, but you also evidence what's in your heart by what you say. And then you will be saved. For with the heart... One believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Matthew 13, 54 through 58. And coming to his hometown, Jesus taught them in the synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom? And these mighty works. Is not this carpenter's son the, the carpenter's son? Is that his mother called Mary? And listen, he grew up with them. So when they're saying this, isn't this the illegitimate son of Mary? They're not saying, hey, this is Jesus. They're saying, oh, no, that's that guy over there. Right? We know, we know where he came from. Right. We know what seminary he went to. Mm -hmm. Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man, not Jesus, this man get all these things? And the Bible says they took offense at him. But what does the Bible say? Jesus said to them, prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And he did not. There's another translation says, translation says, he could not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. And how was the unbelief evidenced by what they said? 
Some of you are going right now, I wish I hadn't said that. Mark 5, 24 through 28. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. By the way, I think uh, Duke was telling me he's going to watch The Chosen. If you hadn't watched the last season of The Chosen, that was awesome. I'm telling you, that was an awesome scene. You need to watch that, right? Well, anyway, this woman had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. But here's what's important. For she said, now who was she talking to? She was talking to herself. What are we talking in our minds and what are we talking out of our mouths. She said, oh, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. God's not going to take it. It ain't going to happen. Oh, my husband left me. Oh, this happened. Uh, is she saying that? No. She heard about Jesus. What did she say? Now, were all those thoughts there? I believe all those thoughts were there. Stupid doctors took all my money. Oh, you know, this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this uh, insurance that I, I got the wrong one. I had a choice of two, and I picked the wrong one. Got the wrong advice. I'm going to call those people up. Is that what she said? No. Were all those thoughts going through her mind? Of course all those thoughts were going through her mind. But that's not what she said. What did she say? If I touch even his garments, I will be made what are you talking? What's going on? What are, what are you speaking in your head? What are you saying out of your mouth? It's very important what we say. Faith is evidenced by what we say. Not only that, faith is seen or evidenced by what we do. James 2.21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active. Oh, Lord, I believe in you, but I'm not doing that. I believe in you, and if you go over to Hebrews, it says, he believed that God was even able to raise him from the dead. That's why he did what God asked him to do. Faith is evidenced by what he did. Faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Luke 8, 43 through 48, same woman. She had a discharge. She came up behind her. This is a different, different uh, passage of the same, same scene going on. She came up behind Jesus, touched the friends of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? So what did she do? She didn't just say... If I do this, I'll be made well. She actually did it. But listen, what were the obstacles? See, we think if it's God, there won't be any obstacles. No. All that was in front of her was an obstacle. Her health was an obstacle. She was probably weak. She was bleeding. She couldn't touch people. That was an obstacle. And Jesus was surrounded by people. The, the, the legal pre precedent was an obstacle. If you touch people and you're unclean, you could be stoned. Because you're supposed to yell out, unclean, unclean is what you're supposed to do, right? 
and probably he wasn't going in a in a private place. He was in a public place. Everything was an obstacle. But she said to herself, "If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well." And faith was evidence in what she was saying, but faith was also evidence by what she did. There's a dead sea in the way of me getting free from the Egyptians. What do I do? What did God tell Moses to do? Get up there and lift up your hands. Get these people to the other side. I can't. There's an obstacle in the way. God didn't, God's not concerned with obstacles. What he's concerned with, do you believe him? We often believe in the obstacles more than we believe in God. The obstacles say, I can't. This woman didn't let the obstacles keep her from God's purpose and will for her life. She pushed through the obstacles to get to Jesus. Jesus said, who touched me? When everybody denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd's around you and you're pressing in on it. In other words, everybody's touching on you. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, someone touched me in faith. If you could have parentheses there, it would be in faith. Someone believed me. They weren't just touching me. They weren't just going to church. They weren't just singing songs. They weren't just enjoying the atmosphere. They actually had faith was rising up in them to the point where they touched me. You know, you can have faith in God and touch Him without ever responding to an altar call. No, i got to have an altar call. Well, there's going to be an altar call, and we'll pray for you. We'll do all that. There's nothing wrong with it. What I'm saying is not the altar call. It's faith. I felt that. You feel it? I feel it. Woo! Glory to God. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And what did Jesus say to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, we know that power was released from Jesus to make her well. But what released the power into her life? faith. You understand? The power is in Jesus. The power is in the Word. But faith opens the door for the power to be released into our life. He said, well, if the pastor doesn't give an altar call for healing, I guess I'm not getting healed today. No, you got to be like this woman that says, I'm getting healed whether he gives an altar call or not. Because it ain't the pastor that heals. It's Jesus. It's not the ritual that heals. It's faith. You can do the ritual and have no faith, or you can do the ritual and there will be faith in it. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick, that raises them up. Not the oil. Not the elders. It's the prayer of faith. I like what my pastor said one time uh, when I was sitting in church and learning, too. He said, it says, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. It doesn't say it's the elders' prayer of faith. Could be your faith, could be your faith, could be your faith. So when somebody's getting prayed for, release your faith. Because it might be your faith that God hears. 
Just like the, the man that was being carried to Jesus, and they had to press through the obstacles. Oh, man, uh, we thought, you know, he's having a healing service today, but I guess it ain't your turn. I guess it ain't, you, you're out of luck because we can't get to Jesus, and you didn't get a number, and you didn't get a ticket, and you know what? You just got to go home. You got to change your diaper. Oh, sorry, too bad. What did these guys say? Oh, he didn't come all this way dragging you here. He said, we're going to get you to Jesus. Well, what are we going to do? Well, let's get him up on the roof, and let's, and you know, if I was the guy on the mat, I'd be going, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. So, you know, he had faith too. And the guys, we'll get you up on the roof, and then we'll dig a hole in the roof, and we'll let you down in front of Jesus. And, and you know, well, what if God, what if, what if Jesus is mad? He wasn't worried about that. You ready for some more, Judy? Hey, hey, Judy, Judy, I'm not being presumptuous. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Receive more. Give her more, Lord. Give her more. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, we're going to get to him. We're not going to let any obstacles. And Jesus said, hey, you know, uh, you know he said, uh, uh, basically, what did he say? Uh, when he saw their faith. All of their faith. When he saw their faith, he got forgiven and he got healed. But what was it that did it? Faith. Are you understanding what I'm saying? See, it's not the church. It's faith. Mark 3, 1 through 5. He entered the synagogue. Oh, I, I really, I'm telling you, I'm feeling an incredible presence of the Lord right now. Reach out. What do you need? Reach out. He's here. I'm not the healer. He's the healer. And he's in the house. And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And Jesus, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, now remember, who's Jesus? The Word made flesh. And what has Jesus given the man? The word. And what was the word that he gave him? Do something you can't do. No, we, no, that's not what he said. He said, stretch out your hand. What could he not do? Stretch out his hand. Right? Jesus said, do something you can't do. But I'm giving you the word. Do something you can't do. Stretch out your hand. Imagine us going, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I can't do that. My hand's withered. You heal my hand, and then I'll stretch it out. And Jesus said, stretch out your hand, and I'll be healed. That messes with our mind. But see, the power is in the word, and the power, faith believes what God says, not the obstacle, not the circumstance, right? Stretch out your hand. And the Bible says, he stretched it out. And notice it says, and his hand was restored. It didn't say his hand was restored and he stretched it out. It says he stretched it out. He did what he could not do just the moment before Jesus said to do it. And when Jesus said to do it, he did what he could not do. And when he did what he could not do, then he received healing in his hand. Because what was he demonstrating? Faith. 
Matthew 14, 28 through 29, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come, you, come out on the water. Now listen, if Jesus don't tell you to walk on water, don't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I go fishing with Curtis one day and he said, get out there in the water, get that buoy, I'm going to say no. Because you ain't Jesus. And you're not giving me a word from God. I'm telling you right now, I ain't doing that. If I don't have a life jacket on, I'm not going. Now listen, we think, well, if Jesus tells me, then I'll do it. I want to tell you something. It ain't any easier because Jesus said to do it. You still got the same obstacles. You still got the same circumstances. Physics till tell, still tells you you're going down. The devil will tell you you're going down. What made the difference? Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? I ain't doing it. Uh, he's in the middle of the ocean. He's not in the kiddie pool. He's not somewhere where it says six feet deep. He's in the middle of the ocean. And there's a storm going. And Jesus said, okay, you want to come? Come. You know what Peter did? He did what Jesus said. And you know what Peter did when Jesus said to come out in the water? He did what Jesus was doing. He was walking on the water. But wait a minute. He sang. You know why he started singing? Because he got his eyes off Jesus, and he got his eyes on the obstacles. How many people come and get prayed for, and when they get prayed for, they begin to feel, uh, you don't go by feeling, but they begin to feel better. They begin to see that they're better. And they go back to the doctor, and the doctor tells you people don't get better from that. And you put your faith in what? Now listen, I'm not against doctors. I, I, I go to doctors. I, I, I take medicine whenever they prescribe medicine. So don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to say, hey, doctors are bad. No, doctors are good. They want what's best. But they don't always function in faith. And yes, things in the natural don't get better. But we're not living by the natural. We're living by the supernatural. I understand what you're saying. I understand that this is what happens, but I don't receive that. Jesus did something in my life, and I'm walking it out. And one day, if not today, if not tomorrow, if not next week, but your tests are going to confirm what Jesus is doing in me. He, went, he entered a village. He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he, when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priests. In other words, they're, they're filled with leprosy. And when they leave, they're filled with leprosy. But basically, in our way of understanding, Jesus is saying, go book an appointment with a radiologist, get an MRI, get a, uh, 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 what's the other one? Uh, CRT? What, no. Get a CAT scan, get an x-ray, go get all that done. And they're going to the doctor. They've called up. They booked the appointment. They're going to the, they're going, you know, they're, they're getting there, and they've still got leprosy on their body. But Jesus said to do it. And so that's what they're doing. It's crazy. It's foolishness. But what happened? As they went, they were cleansed. I hope you're getting it. As they obeyed the word of God, as they believed God and reacted to what God said, they began to see evidence 
of what God said in their life. But it was faith in doing what Jesus said that opened the door for the power that was in his word to be released into their life. Okay, a couple more and we'll be done. Uh, I, can, I can stop now if you want. You want me to stop now? Paul says preach. So I'll preach to this section right here. I'll preach because Paul, Paul is the spokesman for this section. Who's the spokesman for this section? Yeah, what do you want me to do? Preach. Okay. What about this section over here? You all ready for me to quit? I'll quit if you want to. Oh, you do? You want me to quit? No, keep on preaching? Okay. What about y'all? What do y'all want me to do? Okay, we'll keep going. All right. What about the choir? No, just kidding. I, I'm on my last page. Okay, so just a few more. Acts 5, 12 through 16. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest there joined them, but the people held them in high esteem. Excuse me. <coughs> and more than ever, believers, it doesn't say converts. It says believers. To me, there's a difference between a convert and a believer. You can be a convert and not a believe. But a believer is someone that is actively putting their faith in what God said. Okay? So these are believers, and believers, not members, not people that have been through the class, but people that actually are putting their faith in God, like the woman that pressed through the crowd, like the lepers that did what Jesus said. These were people that were believing. They were actively believing in the Word of God and what God was saying through the apostles were added to the Lord. See, my desire is that we would become more than just attenders, but we would become living evidence of who Jesus said we are, and that is believers. What do believers do? Jesus. No, well, yeah. yeah. Believers believe. They believe God. They believe what God said. So that, and more of these believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women were believing in God and believing in what God was doing. So that they, the believers, they believed to such an extent that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Now I want to tell you something. It wasn't the shadow that healed them. The key word here is believers. They believed. They had faith. And there weren't just one or two believers. There was multitudes of believers. I've taught you many times about it's one thing for individuals to have faith. But when you want to see things really happen, it's when the body starts believing corporately. And then all of a sudden, things start breaking out in even greater. So faith is rising in the congregation. Faith is growing. And all of a sudden, people begin to believe God can do anything. And you know what God does? Anything. I said, well, God can do whatever he wants. Yes, he can. But remember, when he was preaching in, in Nazareth, he could not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Something happens when everybody starts agreeing together. One could put 1,000 to fly. Two can put 10,000. All right. They even carried out the sick in the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were awe. Awe. If you look that word 
up in the Greek, you know what it means? All. Every last one of them were healed. Why? Because they believed. How do you know they believed? Because it was evidenced by what they were doing. I believe that if I can get you here, you'll get saved. How do you know that? How do you believe it? How do you know? How do I know you believe that? Because you go get people. Can I tell you something? I, I love you. But when we get lost people in this church, you know what happens? They get saved. You know why people aren't getting saved? Because I don't believe, you believe lost people will get saved. Because if you believe lost people will get saved, you'll go get lost people. Well, Last one and we're done. Acts 14, 8 through 10. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Not used to walk. Never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. How do you see faith? You can see faith by their actions, but in this particular case, Paul was seeing it by a gift of the Spirit, whether it's a word of knowledge, word of uh, 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 wisdom. We don't know. All we know is that God revealed to him that this man had faith. He wasn't just excited. He had faith. And Paul, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice to a lame man that had never walked. Stand upright on your feet. I can't. The doctor said, I'd never be able to walk. My spine was severed. My this. Uh, I was born without uh, a nerve. I was born without this. Did he say any of that? You know why? Because he had faith. He didn't have faith in what the doctors had said or the reports had said or what any people had said or what unbelief had said. He had faith in what God was saying. And because he had faith, you know what he did? He sprang up, never walked, doesn't know how to walk. When we learn how to walk, we <laughs> grab a hold of the dog. And... No, get up and walk. He got up and walked. Why? Because he had faith. The presence of the Lord was there promises of God were real and his faith was high and when the word of God came he said I, I believe I will that same faith will set you free set you free from drugs set you free from alcohol set you free from cigarettes set you free from any other thing in your life that same faith will heal you that same faith will save you we all got saved by faith we all have faith because we got saved we just believed God. didn't make sense. Our family said, ah, oh, you're crazy falling for that stuff. Oh, it's just a bunch of hypocrites over there. Oh, it's just a bunch of fanatics. But we heard the word of God. We believed, and we got saved. And we kept going to church, and we kept believing God. We kept, we kept growing. Why? Because we had faith. We, we didn't let the obstacles keep us. 
So you know how to have faith. That same faith will heal you, will deliver you, will set you free. But you got to recognize when the Word of God is coming. you got to recognize when there's a problem. you got to recognize that God has a solution for the problem. you gotta be, you got to have faith that God wants to do what He's going to do. you got to believe. And when you believe, all things are possible to those who believe. So what we learn today is that faith is laying hold of the unseen realm of hope and bringing it into the realm of reality. Faith is what opens the door for the power of the Word of God to be released into this natural realm, into the world we live in and into our very beings. The Bible teaches us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. In other words, the Bible teaches us that you can see faith when it is evident in the lives of people. Faith is seen in the way we speak, and faith is seen in the things that people do. Mm -hmm.